All right, guys. So welcome back to another episode of Dugster Bob Discussions. This is uh, episode eight. I'm having a lot of fun with these. However, you're going to notice that this week things are a little bit different. So normally uh, I am on camera on the YouTube version. If you guys are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, don't worry about it. But I have my whole camera and everything set up to film differently. Um, so I'm filming some whiteboard videos there. I'm really excited about them. It's going to be a tournament between a bunch of complete bikes. So it gives me an opportunity to do a lot of comparisons and help you guys learn more about different complete bikes and compare them side by side. So that's what we're working on this one. Like I said, no video, but uh, after next weekend, we'll get back. Everything should be back to normal uh, video wise, live wise. I know I've been missing the Friday lives. I'm so sorry. We'll get back to it. Here's what we're going. Here's what's going on. So we had the Stimmy Jam happen last week. Uh, Bizzle was there. He talked about it a little bit, and I've seen some clips. Looked like a killer time. But um, we're going to talk in depth about some of these things. Okay, the Stimmy Jam, Ontario, Ontario, Canada, on hardcore lockdown. One thing in the drama and beef section. Luckily, we've got some upcoming events. Lots of upcoming events. We're going to talk about Jay Tui as the rider spotlight. And then only two product releases and a couple things for side notes. So let's get right into it. The Dumpster Bomb Mission. Growing BMX by making it fun and easy to understand. For some of us, it's an escape. For others, it's a passion. But for all of us, it's a lifestyle. you're letting me teach you everything that I know about it. All right, now the Stimmy Jam recap was Anthony Panza's jam. Um, they cruised around. They just had a good time. I saw some of those videos and God, there's so many people. I, I would love to go to a huge jam like that. I haven't been to a jam in, oh my God, it's been years, but um. <sighs> It just looks so fun. You, you're around all these people. Everyone's hyping you up, sending tricks. Um, Bizzle, the guy that he's always on the lives, uh, hurt his ankle. Panza also hurt his ankle before the jam. I know we talked about that earlier in the last podcast. And I guess he was riding around on an e-bike since he couldn't actually do tricks. But he was there, you know, he was there spreading good vibes and, and everything like that. They had an after party. And a lot of the guys got to go hang out with Panza and hang out at the after party. So all in all, that sounds like a really good time. I'm stoked for everyone that was able to get out there and do that. The next thing is Ontario, Canada is on a hardcore lockdown again. We talked about this in the Sunday Live. And one of the homies who's from there said, here's the deal. The government told the police to pull people over and uh, anybody, right? Anybody pull them over and say, hey, why aren't you home? And the police actually refused to do this. They didn't believe that that was right. They didn't want to do that. Um, so now they changed it to where you can pull people over if you suspect that they're out participating in like a, a social gathering event. So if you feel like they're out having a big old birthday party or an Anthony Panza Stimmy Jam, you could pull them over and give them like a $750 ticket. So they are, they are back on the hardcore lockdown and I feel for you guys because over here, so where I'm at in New Mexico, initially a year ago, um, our park was closed down. 
for probably six months. So every day I'd go after work up to El Paso. It's a 40 minute drive. And I'd go just so I could get a session. I'd ride, come back. Like it was exhausting and very expensive to do that every day. Um, so, so you guys, I feel super bad that you're not able to ride because I know how excruciating, is that the right word that it was to not be able to ride, uh, for me last year around this time, but hopefully you guys are still out and able to ride some street and things like that. It looks like for the most part, most of the world is kind of coming back to getting everything together and you know. That's good, but not for not for Canada. They closed, you know, frisbee golf. They closed baseball. They closed soccer fields. Almost everything, every activity you could think of. So I feel for you guys. Hopefully, very soon, you know, the spread slows or whatever, and you guys are able to get back to riding. Now, Monday, April 9th, This is yesterday. I'm literally filming this podcast Tuesday, the day that it goes out on on Apple Podcast and everything. But yesterday was Dennis Anderson's birthday. So I want everyone to either go to Instagram or type in the chat. Happy birthday, Dennis. We're very excited for Dennis Anderson because we think that he, uh, I love him. He's a God, you know, total God. The way he can ride street, park, dirt, that to me, that's the optimum rider. Like Dennis is definitely one of the most elite riders because of the diversity he has. And so, so happy birthday, Dennis. Happy, happy birthday. All right. All right. Ooh, I was, I was very, uh, very nervous there for a second. So in the drama and beef section, it's about Austin Augie and he did a Prada collab. So Prada, you know, the very expensive, like thousand dollar shirts, right? He did a Prada collab and it, it was funny because there's a lot of hate going around, you know, a lot of drama associated with it. And so my idea with this podcast was to this section, read some of the comments and then I looked and, and the post was gone. I was like, oh my God, I can't find it. Uh, they deleted it. Well, there goes that idea. But I found it. It took me a couple minutes of scouring and, and just looking at his tag thing. But let's, let's read some of these comments. So in the picture, he's got hub guards, but no pegs, which is very interesting. Um, <laughs> essentially, he's wearing like a $1,200 shirt and everyone is just bashing it like, Nick says, I own a $1,400 shirt, said no BMXer ever. Roy says they picked the completely wrong guy for this. Casting has failed miserably for some proper tricks next time. It'll be down. Uh, but then some people said style. Somebody said Japanese letters. I don't know what they actually said. Uh, everyone's saying how much for the bike. Augie went, here's one. A typical Ian says, Austin Augie. Went from screaming about Adam 22 to Prada campaigns, LOL. So I guess there used to be some beef about him and uh, him and Adam 22. It's kind of funny that I guess 1700 pound um, pants, pants, not pound, pound, not like the, uh, the weight, but like the, your, the British dollar, I guess. Is that the right word? <laughs> 4130 says, I take offense. This is not an accurate description of BMX. And Classroom says, no BMX rider in the history of BMX or will ever wear Prada. So anyway, um, he's definitely got a, got a lot of hate. Tony says, stop, please. This is awful. But anyway, you guys check it out. It's, it's, it's hilarious, to be honest. Um, the, uh, the way that they have, I don't know. How does that work? So, so the way that I look at it is like, 
uh, Nigel Sylvester kind of went along the same path, you know, got really popular for biking and then influenced his following to get like model deals and, and different things like that. And then everyone kind of started to hate on him. And is Austin Augie going down the same road? That is a question. I'm not sure. It's weird. Modeling stuff and, and everything in BMX is really taboo. But, you know, I don't really know. So a couple upcoming events. We have Simple Session is set for August 2021. And the, this is an interview that I think it was Vital did. Or, yeah, Vital. Um, they said, for the location, we picked this dope developing cultural district called Poyana Factory, which is a complex of different buildings and yards. There are restaurants, bars, venues, and artist studios. The area is still rough around the edges, and I think it fits this kind of event really well. The main event takes place in the main hangar of the factory and is under the roof, so in case of any rain, we're safe and will have about a 650 square meter street course, which they hope to reveal in May or June. So that's really exciting. They're not sure that it's actually going to be able to go down, but they picked August because they figured they had a bigger chance of going out to August and making it work. So let's see. Um, the one thing that they're concerned about, you know, is COVID and getting shut down. However, he said, worst case scenario, they're going to be able to just have the event and not let any audience in, but best case scenario, they're going to do like, I think up to 2000 fans to watch the finals and they'd be outside. The riders get three days to ride and things like that. Simple session is a killer event and I love, love, love watching it. Now, one more thing is the Minnesota spring jam coming up. It's May 8th. And then the Tucson BMX freestyle comp is this weekend at premises park. I'm going to try my best to get up there and make it to that just to kind of hang out and uh, see some of the homies that I haven't seen in a while and, and watch and everything like that. So I will keep you guys posted on that. Now let's get right into the rider spotlight. Jay Dewey. And I wanted to talk about Jay Dewey for a number of reasons. He came up on my Instagram as a throwback clip from one of the contests that he was in. I want to say it was a X Games Dirt. But anyway, he, uh, he did a, a nothing front bike flip to tail whip. So we talked about Logan Martin doing the nothing front bike flips that he learned from Jay um, a while ago. And then, so now Jay Tui, from what I understand, he kind of pioneered that trick and, and just from everything that I've seen. And it's a crazy trick. Only a handful of guys are actually doing it. But during that contest, he did a nothing front bike flip to late whip. And uh, it's crazy because his feet don't even touch. If you guys don't, you got to look up a nothing front bike flip if you have no idea what I'm talking about, but you jump in the air, you throw the bike forward, it flips all the way around. Like you're, you're just chilling there in the air with no limbs on the bike. It flips around, you catch it, you put your feet on, boom. And as soon as he caught it, he whipped it with his hands. He did not kick it. And it, it's just insane that he's at that level of riding. Um, I actually ended up meeting him at Woodward in 2019 him and and everybody was there and and just watching him ride like the way he focuses in on what he's trying to do is just insane it's that you know i talk about this a lot is that you've got to be deliberately practicing something and he'll try something he'll sit there for a few seconds think it over look at what he's doing and then try again and it's not just like mindlessly sending it it's like deliberately working on certain aspects of a certain trick to make sure that he understands the whole concept of it and builds the whole concept. And when I was doing a little bit of research about him, I wanted to um, talk about 
kind of his life. So he started riding at three, uh, racing. So he started racing at three. And then he decided that freestyle was a better fit for him. He was the first person to do a flip triple whip. That's his world first. Now, I'm pretty sure it was on a huge Nitro Circus airbag. So does it really count? That's up to you guys. Some people will count it. Some people won't. But he, he was the first one to do that. He did it for a few years. And then during a show, he snapped his leg. You, I watched the video and it's like, oh yeah, he snapped it. You could see his, his ankle like fling up, up by his knee, you know, because it just flopped around and I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. So he did that. And then that took him off the bike for a long time. I think actually only like six months. So he had to get surgery and everything, get it all. He snapped his tibula and fibula. So both the bones there. And, uh, six months later, he came back did another show and broke his leg again. Um, same leg from what I understand on the same trick, but it was like, he just kind of put pressure weird on his ankle and it twisted it. So it wasn't as bad as like, I think the first one was like a compound fracture and I'm pretty sure the second one wasn't as bad, but still we talk about the mental aspect. And this is something that's talked about in the nitro circus article is that like from, for a lot of us, one little crash and we're like, we're mentally out of it for the rest of the session or even the whole day. Something like that ends a lot of people, even professional athletes, like breaking compound fracturing your leg is, uh, and I hope I'm using the word compound fracture, right? But it's a scary thing because you're like, wow, that, that is intense. That's expensive. That hurts. Uh, I don't want to do that again. So for a lot of people, they would stay far away from their sport after something like that. But he got on the bike again, which is a huge accomplishment. But then breaking your leg a second time, that's that's enough to really set someone over the edge, kill their confidence, kill their morale. And crazily enough, he came back and uh, is still doing that trick. You know, he came back and is just doing is just progressing the whole sport. So the fact that he overcame that second one and still got back on the bike and was still progressing, that is mental toughness toughness to a T that is just absolutely crazy and good for him man good for him you guys got to look up J2E check out his Instagram or even some YouTube videos it's crazy to watch him ride one thing I want to point out is uh he'll be right he I think he switches his feet to do tail whips so if you watch any clip that he's doing he's I say right foot forward right does a does a truck does a three 720 bar whatever And then before he goes to do a tail whip, he switches his feet around. And it's funny to watch him mid run, like when he switches his feet, because sometimes he's left foot, sometimes he's right foot. And it's so weird because not many, I can't even bunny hop opposite footed. I cannot even like more or less actually ride ramps and stuff. So that's fun. It's a fun little Easter egg on J2E. So make sure you check that out. So a couple product releases, there's teal drip and army green colorway from Sabrosa. These are um, available in like their aftermarket components, like a stem, tires, uh, pedals, things like that. Two different colorways, and they look pretty cool. I'm not an army green fan, but the teal drip is kind of sick. It, it wouldn't match my bike, but for you guys looking for different parts, those are out now, and that's like one of the only product releases I saw this week. The second thing, though, is an Etnies X Rad collab. So Rad is that old school movie that really put BMX on the map. It was a huge deal, and uh, Etnies officially teamed up with them. This is actually like a month ago, and I missed it. But um, so so yeah, they they collab. They have three or four different rad shoes, 
and they look they're they're BMX specific and they look sick, but they also look like they're very uh good utility wise for riding BMX. They look like they grip good. They they are comfortable. They go up high enough so you don't smack your ankles. And I would genuinely consider getting something like that. You guys should check them out. The yellow and black, the the blue and red, they're sick. And they're the only official licensed collab with Rad. Like a lot of people kind of um ripped it off to do collaborations, but they got together and uh, made it work so there's also t-shirts and stuff like that and this is cool for a lot of you older guys rad i think was a big deal and it's something that for my generation it's like nostalgic or like we can look back on it but for those guys who are living in that era this is a really cool collaboration and really cool to be able to get products along those lines so i have two side notes that i want to talk about tyler jewel he's an athlete performance coach for red bull athletes uh, I follow Coco Zarita and he's always in there training and it's so crazy to see. So I followed Tyler because of Coco and it's, it, he puts these guys and just has them do different training things. It's not like come to the gym, lift weights, things like that. Like it's fully functional training and it's something that I'm really interested in and I want to start moving in that direction to learn more about it, but it doesn't look fun. So like, for example, he has a contest where he puts um, sticky notes far apart from each other and then in the middle someone's flipping a jump rope and the athlete has to run from one sticky note over the jump rope to the other one so they have to time it perfectly they have to be agile enough to get over get through touch the sticky note and do this as many times as they can within a set amount of time and then he has each one ranked so some people have done it like done 20 touches in a minute or something like that and some people have a hard time getting you know more than five but so so those are the little things he's doing he works with a lot of the red bull athletes bmx skate snowboard everything like that where the common misconception i think for the for bmx riders or skaters is it's like yeah you just you know show up to the park and uh and and ride and that's it and that is really not the case like these guys put in extreme amounts of work so i see uh daniel sandoval jeremy malott and those guys in that area they always go to this this guy called kells his thing's kells movement and i i have a friend from woodward that also works out there and so i'd see on her story working out with like shelby sandoval which i think is daniel's sister and then so then i see daniel at the same place i'm like yo this is crazy but they're doing it's fully functional things like it's not common workout um, just common workouts that you and I would do when we go to the gym. Uh, there's one where the guy had to run around. Okay. And then he had to do a roll. So just like a somersault. And then, uh, I think it's Tyler threw a ball at him. He caught the ball, set it down, rolled backwards. And, and it's just, it's just weird stuff. It's like, that can't really be physical, physically exerting, but it's, it's all about coordination agility and things like that so i'm really trying to study that more and if you guys are curious follow tyler jewel and check out what he's doing he says being explosive is a key ingredient for mini sports and i couldn't agree more that's something i'll touch on a lot in some of my ebooks that i'm working on but enough of that let's talk about dan's comp dan's comp is always doing some interesting things and it, it always raises eyebrows uh, for me but but they did a complete bike build for their youtube channel and the guy that runs it, his whole idea was, can you build a custom bike for less than a thousand dollars? 
and it was possible. So he put everything together. He forgot to buy pedals, so he just used some old pedals, but it was right under a thousand. And um, this is interesting because the whole idea with it is one, to answer that question, but two, to provide actual feedback on the parts so they can review whatever pedals are on there, whatever, rim, or whatever rims, whatever bars, they can review those as they've actually been ridden and actually being been tested. So I, I love the idea. I really do. And I talked about this again on the live is that this is a cool idea, but okay, let's imagine there's probably 50 different types of bars, 20 different types of pedals, 20 different types of rims. You see where I'm going with this? The functionality of actually testing everything. So you can't test something for a day. That doesn't mean anything, right? You should test it for at least three to six months. And okay, so you're going to do that. How long would it take to test every single part the way that they're talking about? By the time you've, you've tested half of them, there's already a whole new line out. There's new products, like the ones you're going to test are outdated. And that, that makes no sense. I don't get where they're going with. I mean, I do, but I don't. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on. So, so that's an interesting concept. Actually, testing parts is cool. I fully approve that. But the parts they chose were genuinely junk. Um, to get it under $1,000, this bike is worse quality than like the Kink Williams, the Sunday Soundwave Complete, the We The People Battleship, the We The People Envy, the We The People, like any of those high level completes. This bike is way worse than it. And uh, because they're, they're using the same aftermarket parts that are found on like $600 completes, like Rant, uh, Mission, things like that, they're using those. And uh, to build a complete bike for $1,000 or a custom bike for $1,000 that's the same quality as complete bikes that are $600 is very counterproductive. Um, the people who are looking to buy those parts aren't necessarily the the bread and butter of Dan's comp, you know what I mean? Like they're looking to save money. They're looking to buy cheap parts. So I'm not sure what they're doing with that. Um, eh, anyway, this is none of my business, but it's cool. It's always cool to look at them doing different things. Uh, so check that out, I guess, guys, if you're curious about what the heck they're doing. And if you, <laughs> if you can figure it out, definitely let me know because it makes no sense, but, but I like the idea. So they built a bike, a junky bike for a thousand dollars. Congrats. I'm stoked for them. Let's roll right into some user. <laughs> I feel like I'm being mean, but, uh, but, but maybe I am, I don't know. So anyway, let's talk about Martin Beaver says flatland. This is from episode seven guys. Uh, Martin Beaver says flatland is awesome. We should all be practicing every discipline that we can look at people like Scotty Kramer coming from racing as a kid. The flow it gave him is unreal. Same applies to flatland whiplashes, etc. make for unreal lip tricks and you can ride wherever. This came up a lot when, when I was thinking about Matthias and, uh, he, he like does a beautiful job of combining street with flatland and it looks so cool. And that could be the new wave of flatland. You know what I mean? I think, uh, somebody else touched on that, but it's, uh, being well-rounded. Like we were just talking about Dennis Anderson is one of the best things you can do, not just for BMX, but for yourself as a person, like we are built to learn and to progress at things. And so getting better in multiple aspects is a, a great thing for development. Uh, Chris Till says, Flatland is my favorite discipline, and I think it's about to have a big revival, partially because of the mix of street riding now, but also because of the talent. 
especially in Japan. It's really amazing, and they're all on Instagram posting pretty much daily. So Chris touches on a couple things here. We were just talking about that mix with street riding and how I I agree. I think there is going to be a big revival because social media to, uh, to an extent is helping people get into the sport. I met a guy in El Paso who said, yeah, I saw these guys on TikTok riding bikes and I'm 30 and I was like, that looks fun. So he got a bike and that's happening for so many people, not just people like that, but people who have ridden before they're getting back into it. New people are seeing their friends ride and get back into it. So if Flatland has that social media influence, people are going to start out in that direction for sure. And um, yeah, so so that's crazy. I, I hope there is more Flatland because it really is sad that in the US, it's not that big of a thing even though it's one of the most versatile or like the least limiting, right? You could just go to any flat spot and and kill it. Whereas to ride park, you need to go to a skate park to ride street. You have to go ride, find street spots and uh, flatland anywhere. You just go kill it. Jeff says flatland is dope. It doesn't get the props it deserves. He knows of two riders that ride We The People bikes and are insane. Uh, Kiaro BMX from Japan and Vero Hernandez from Spain. So I guess check those two guys out. I'm going to check them out too and see see what their riding is like. That sounds pretty sick. I need to watch more Flatland because I was really having fun when I was watching Matthias's Flatland. Just mostly because of the mixture. Like normal Flatland to me is crazy and it bends my mind. So it's hard for me to actually comprehend what's going on. But when it's mixed together with street, it's a little more relatable. All right, guys, so that is all I have to talk about today. I love when you guys send me things to talk about. Send them to DougsterBob on Instagram so that I can add it to my notes and just go over things. I kind of had a hard time this week finding a lot of stuff to talk about, but some of the stuff we covered was pretty interesting. Again, I'm sorry about the camera not being on for the YouTube guys. And, um, you know, guys, don't forget to check this out on Spotify or wherever. There's a link in the description because I love to have more viewers on that end of things i think it's easier for you guys too right you can just chill while you're driving not monetize there's no ads if you listen to it on on any of the podcasting platforms so so yeah you guys have a great rest of your day we will see you sunday for the live and um yeah peace